Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Eve Eurydice. I, first of all, want to thank you for listening. Thank you for trusting me as your sex whisperer. I have um, two friends who represent a present here with me, eager to discuss the, any topic, and um, they represent two very different points of view. Uh, I'm going to say, like, they, they, they are the examples of, like, patriarchy and you know, matriarchy within my friends, my circle of friends, who are all interesting, exciting, and woke people, of course. So before I introduce them, I am going to talk a little bit about squirting, um, which um, has become more and more known recently because of its um, prevalence in porn, unfortunately, but porn is where people learn about sexuality these days. So um, if you're not a squirter yourself, I'm sure you've come across the term of gushing or squirting is the release of fluid during or just before female orgasm. Um, and even though porn makes it look like every woman can squirt bucketfuls for like the five seconds um, before orgasm, after she's simply stimulated with like a dildo or fingers or maybe a penis, it's actually not that easy. You know, you have to kind of figure out what makes you have that um, involuntary spurt of liquid as the genital muscles spasm during orgasm and then enhance that, you know, repeat that type of experience that has triggered any type of like minor ejaculation. Studies vary um, about the percentage of women who squirt, so it seems to range from like 8% to 54%. That's the numbers I've seen when I've uh, done research into studies. <laughs> I'm going to say that about 20 to 25% of women, based on the women I'm uh, familiar with who have been talking about, and I always ask, um, have experienced it. But I do believe that everyone can, the same way that I believe that everyone can experience what we call the G-spot orgasm, which is very related to squirting, in fact. Um, even though, again, in the science and the, the um, let's say, academic um, version of, of this, the conversation still doubts both the existence of G-spot and the existence of squirting. So there you go. Patriarchy. By the way, I prefer to call rainmaking because I like the, the like extra reference to the shamanic magic of rainmaking. There is an extreme feeling of release that has nothing to do with the feeling you get when you release your bladder. I compare it to the time when my water broke as I was giving birth. That was that same feeling of extreme physical release and then kind of an exquisite abandon. So not just sexual release, but full body and full psychic release, which is what makes it much more powerful than most other orgasms or any other orgasm, I think, uh, among women's orgasms, of which there are it is said, seven different types. Um, I'm sure there is some prostate, prostatic-specific antigen in the ejaculate uh, that's not present in urine. Uh, and I'm sure there's like some creatinine and whatnot in it. But I mention this and I insist on it because I don't want women to control it and try to prevent it out of fear and self-consciousness and embarrassment that 
maybe they're peeing on their partner. That is not at all what is happening. So in fact, it is a matter of pride and empowerment when you gush. Um, and some people, different people, different women, you know, achieve it in different positions. 69, you know, bend in a certain way. It really depends on your body and it's what, what, what more fun research could you do really, um, with your partner or by yourself uh, than, than figuring out how you get to release, you know, intensely release all sexual tension through the contractions of your genital muscles. So it's important to remember to take your time, both partners, just take your time, um, a lot of massaging, a lot of uh, exploration, patient exploration, uh, you know, getting the body relaxed, and the important thing is that the muscles no longer contract, and there is a feeling of absolute safety. Um, so massage oils and massaging, especially the yoni massage, and you know, massaging around the erogenous zones for mo more than once um, during sex is a way to calm the woman and allow her the the, the space to access that extra pleasure. So remember that. Take your time. Be patient. You'll get there. But you should understand that it feels the same for us as a man who is ejaculating, meaning it's visible, visible proof of the abundance of our female jouissance. And it's uh, exciting both for the woman who is having it and for the partner who has caused it. So it's undeniable proof that we um, can basically come just like a man um, or even, you know, more, more abundantly. And, um, I don't know that you should be watching, um, you know, squirting videos on, um, on, um, porn sites, but if that's your only access, then do it. So let me open the conversation up to my guests, uh, Mr. X, also known as Fabi, and Dolores, also known as Martha. And let's see what they have to say about squirting and then a bunch of other topics of conversation and questions that I've been receiving for you, from you. Thank you. I do have a question, though, about the female ejaculation. Oh, save it, save it. Go ahead. Really? No, but is it something you can control? If you are, if you're a squirter, you're a squirter. If you're a squirter and you're placed in that, you know, in the moment of orgasm, you're gonna squirt, but it's a very particular orgasm, so it doesn't happen for most of us, like by uh, orally, and doesn't necessarily happen with any, any penetration. You have to penetrate a certain way, kind of like upward toward the upper canal and hit the G spot, and if she, you know, has already squirted it, it will just, she will gush. Kind of like in guys, if you hit the prostate. Yeah, if you shoot. hit the prostate, exactly. It's identical, yeah. That's exactly what so it is. So girls that don't want to be squirters have to date guys with really small penises. <laughs> <laughs> All girls want to be squirters. Why wouldn't they want to be squirters? Yeah, they have to date very so unambitious men. So messy. It's so messy. Sex should be messy, yes, and so wet. Once so in a while. That turns you yeah. off. I don't like a mess. Oh, you don't like you a don't mess? Mind, you don't mind your mess, so it has to be swallowed oh, up. <laughs> you leave a mess, you don't come back. But so, so have you... Have so you fun ever to have a penis. <laughs> 
So do men so fun to be ever like suck the squirt? Like yeah, right. That, el- there are many men who, uh, that's their favorite, yeah, that's their ultimate high is to have the to woman come on their face and they drink it up. They drink it. Yeah. And it's like a step removed from golden showers, but it's definitely much, you know, much cleaner. Uh, but it's the same feeling of like the female abundance that takes you over. And, you know, it's kind of like going back into the womb. There are lots of men who just, you know, that's how they get to ecstasy. And then that's when they come. But, you know, these are all acquired tastes. Fabi doesn't have that taste at all. <laughs> no, no. I've seen it all. I've literally seen someone suck the cum out of someone's ass. <laughs> Rule number two. Wait, wait. How <laughs> do you suck cum out of an ass after you ejaculate inside the ass? Yeah. Whatever's coming right. out. Yeah, it, it always comes out. Oh, right. Yeah. What comes in must come out. Yes. And right. it's very normal to suck it, but oh. not in Fabi's bedroom. No. Oh. No. No. Okay. Not that I haven't had it done, but no. At know. that stage, someone goes to the shower. Oh no! Oh, it's like for the one-hour servant, and then you dismiss them. They don't even get to use my bathroom. Oh, okay, so then they leave oh. and and Bye-bye. they clean up on their own. <laughs> I didn't. Are, I didn't order that. <laughs> they are They're the like, receptacle. Yeah, the receptacle <laughs> and dismissed. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> so we're talking numbers. We're talking the pleasure of numbers here. Last podcast, you spoke about how women um, in matriarchal societies were accustomed to being having sex, like many, many partners coming in to see who would impregnate them. Mm -hmm. So is there some kind of biological truth to women liking gangbangs? Well, again, you know, the gangbang, as we know it, is a pornographic term. So it's something that humiliates the woman and the guy gets off of it. You know, like he watches it and walks off thinking about like all the guys coming in the same woman and how hard it is because it's homoerotic. It Mm. kind of brings the guys together in a full homosexual way in the body of this one woman, you know, where they unite. So guys have no idea that when they're desiring gang I don't know how conscious they are, but to me, that's what I see when I see it. I think, oh, all these guys really want to be with each other, Mm -hmm. but they unite and Mm -hmm. come on her, right? Mm -hmm. And that's safe. Um, So what I was saying is that originally in whatever, you know, pre-patriarchy, pre-civilization, what we like to think of as matriarchal times, the, anim- the female animal of our species has, had, has always had the capacity to come continuously. So she would be out in the jungle, she would pick a mate based on what she felt, you know, chemically, pheromonally, he was, you know, equipped to do um, with his DNA, for her DNA. They would have sex, then he would come and he would pass out, because that's usually what a man does, but some other guy walking through in the jungle would hear her moaning, because the female orgasm is meant to be loud, and he would show up, and if she liked him, she would take him on. And I, you know, in that, in that world, she would continue to have sex until she would get exhausted or conceive. But the, but the goal is to conceive. And once she conceives, she's done with it. And then they look for other women to do this again, you know, right? So, it's not so much gangbanging as like serial fucking. Picking, right. And, and, you know, your body gets the best semen or the most suitable semen. Mm-hmm. And so the cry of the woman, the orgasmic cry, is really mm-hmm. a call for more. It's exactly. not, the, it's never the end. No, it's, it's never the end. It's always an invitation. Yeah. 
That exactly. just goes to how we're made and how it's yeah. literally never enough for us. How we no, can come we're, we're made ravenous. Yes. Right. Uh, until we, you know, until we get pregnant, then we give birth, m- breastfeed, then we start again. That's some, pretty common with all species. Some women have sex throughout their pregnancy. Right. Well, we do, but we're modern. I don't. I don't know if they did. I really don't. I mean, I found that it, it's very helpful, and especially it's super helpful when you're about to give birth. Like, mm-hmm. you know, have as much sex as possible. The baby will pop out. Um, but I think, like, if you study the animal kingdom, they don't do that so much. You know, we do that because we made up, and then we have like our theoretically faithful, you know, partner. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This so, part was fascinating. The first part when you said it was like a homoerotic situation, I, I wasn't really going to agree because I thought it was mm. more based on like men wanting to compete with the other men to who filled the, who impregnated, who was the winner, who did it better, who had the biggest. You know, it's more of a competition thing, which that adrenaline and all that testosterone kind of just obviously makes the receiver have a lot more mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. And kind of be more sure to get it done, right? I don't know. I mean, the difference in the gangbang for me is that all the penises are visible to everyone. So the other guys, you know, they're all right they're there. They're all standing around. Right? They're Your waiting penis in is a visible row in the locker room at the swim team. Right. Same thing. But not the same thing, yeah. But not erect. No. They're not just standing there. I think the locker the room is super homoerotic. Yeah. But I, but I do see why you wouldn't want to think that. It just doesn't, it seems like there's really no other way to think about it, though. I agree with Eurydice because um, if men are all wanting to experience sexual sexuality at the same time. In the, the same in the, vagina. In the same or, like or orifice. Or asshole or whatever, mouth. Right. There okay, is, there's whatever. a co-sexing there. Mm-hmm. It is implicitly sexual. Mm-hmm. And I also see that it could be a competition as well, but I don't see that those are mutually exclusive. Right. I don't see the competition because, again, no one's going to get the girl. The girl's already there. Well, I can see the competition. And in porn, there are like fluff girls. So it's not even that it turns them on so much. You know, they need to look at like other holes to (laughs) to perform. (laughs) So I think that there is much more competition when it comes to who gets the girl. I meant get get her her off more. Get her off more or, or gets the one that makes it but know, with that mm-hmm. you don't know that that you won't right. know well, no but it's still like part of the game that they play mm-hmm. and you have some that like it a little drier some that like it really sloppy and wet so they want to go third you know oh oh that's interesting yeah. so sloppy seconds is is not necessarily a bad thing no no sloppy seconds is not some, a bad thing like a at all fetish. um really? you know some people like being first because the idea you know of like getting there first but and also, it's because of safety. You know, people don't want right. people don't know. They're like, I want to go first because I don't want whatever else is in there. Right. But they like the idea of it, and they'll watch. So some right. people are just. But if you're more. into gang banging, what you like is exactly that—the mixture of the semens, the wetness, you know, the sloppiness, the whole kind of like abandon, where you you know break all these taboos. Um, I still think it's it's a male mating ritual. Um, and the woman who enjoys it, and there, you know, there are definitely women who enjoy it, but I think it comes from a male understanding of female sexuality, so she objectifies herself. You know, she, she enjoys the extreme kind of like loss of agency, the extreme loss of 
identity, the extreme kind of, um, you know, debasement involved, um, which does, it, which which does um, adopt a masculine point of view, you know, of sex. Can it be rescripted, or have you ever seen um, a scenario where this consecutive <laughs> sexing of a woman is not yeah. a a position of being debased can mm -hmm. have you ever seen it acted I out? I have not seen it in like on video. <laughs> I don't know if you have Fabi. I've seen it on video on live where I've seen even the boy version. Oh yeah, the boy yeah. Be but for sure debased and mm -hmm. oh yeah used and abused and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. humiliated. Oh, yeah, yeah. But also the you know those bossy bottoms that take control and they're mm -hmm. calling the shots Stopping and they say who goes when mm -hmm. they say when they can come, they say when they stop. Mm -hmm kind of just a game sometimes mm. yeah it is a game for sure so a woman can play a bossy bottom i as have well. not seen i have not seen the equivalent meaning i haven't seen it's one 2019 woman. women are playing bossy bottom every day <laughs> everywhere on every level i would hope so but i haven't seen playing a setup where it's the girl who's let's say ravenous right and there right. are 50 guys right. and she goes from one to the other and sits on them that, you know, whatever the equivalent would be of her debasing them, I haven't seen that. Right. And that. I mean, she might pee on everyone, but to actually, you know, sit on everyone and come, right. or pretend to come, I haven't seen that. So that would be interesting. Yeah. Porno to make. But the, porno to make. But definitely, <laughs> like, the feminine, youthful, frail boy is easily, re you know, replacing the female in that in that scene. Mm -hmm. And I personally find it much more sexy as a viewer because I don't have to get into gender. So like I can get turned on by that because I don't have to think why is the woman oh, that's yeah. a, that's a, it's just sexy and it's all one gender. For me that's more of a turn on. But you think that it would be a feminine, frail boy that would be the submissive in that scenario? I just like it when it's the feminine. You like it. That I, I happen to like it. And yeah. when your first thought of, of Picturing that scenario would be a more effeminate, frail boy. Well, I've seen a lot of those videos and I like them, so I'm not making it. It's not my first thought. I just have seen them. You know, the boy who seems to be like he's a heroin addict, that whole look, you know, he's really thin, young, um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so it, it. She watches a lot of porn. I, I, I do, and I and She's I am the very, expert. I am very fond of gay porn. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the position of being the person who is receiving, not just in a gangbang, but in any sort of sexual scenario, the receiving has always been sort of what we think of as the submission, right? I don't agree, though. No. no. Tell and it's me. funny because all these people out there trying to make it like, you know, this, they feel like they've been submissive all their lives, whatever their gender, whatever their role. I think that some of them tend to be the most powerful and I, in the relationship. Hmm. So what... But we're not talking about relationship. We're talking about sex. Well, in the sex scenario okay. as well. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's true. I want to hear more about Some of the most that. dominant people in the world make the best bottoms. Absolutely. True. True. Yes. Very true. So is there any way in this world of submission and domination, is there, is there a space Well, let's call it power exchange so it doesn't get confused with right. like BDSM because we're not talking about right. 
you know, whips and chains. But yeah, in the power exchange, the bottom most often has most of the power because the bottom does less work, feels more, experiences more. So the pleasure, most of the pleasure is focused on his or her pleasure. Receiving. You know? Right. Receiving means the other one, the other partner works to make it's a labor the receiver to be the right. dominant. The dominant works at it. Right. So but it's interesting how you would assume that the one getting fucked right. is the submissive. Well, that's right. how our language yeah. tells us to think about it. But it's wrong. Right. Well, in the, you know, in the kind of like more old same, world Same model, with women, though, just in, you know, how women have all this equal rights and all this stuff and have to do more than the men. Very seldomly do you see a lot of women prefer to be on top, you know? True. They want the guys to do all the work. True. Um, I mean, the, let's say the, the model we've all worked grown up on mm-hmm. is the guy just by, by virtue of having a penis <laughs> should know what to do. And the girl, by virtue of having a hole, doesn't have to do anything. So it's a, it's an extremely flawed model because neither really knows each other's bodies and you have to learn with yeah. each person from scratch, right? And neither, but that's how, that's how it's set up. Like when you're an adolescent and you have your first sex, the boy is supposed to just know what to do to the girl by virtue of having the phallus. Um, so if that gets perpetuated, if we're not out here talking about it and that gets perpetuated, then yes, eventually the woman gets all the attention and all the pleasure because this is the 21st century and almost every guy except like the true brutes want to ple- please their woman and almost every woman knows unless, you know, she's like beholden to the brute by marriage and financial need, every woman knows that she should pick the guy with whom she has chemistry who makes her come. So things have progressed enough then no one says that they can't grow their man into the best lovers no mm-hmm. one says that they can't lead them to the right spots mm-hmm. that's right but it takes that it takes that language and it takes that confidence you know and that's well, again what we're sexy. here I to mean, say seduce your man into his exactly. better self mm-hmm. you demand it and some people might like that some people might get turned off by it and that's that's kind of a chance you take or something you have to learn in your relationships but i think most people will like that and you know perhaps they'll get uh, a little self-conscious in the beginning or put off just because it's not so common but the more we all do it and the more we all practice it the more everyone will like it because who doesn't want to be talked to dirty and directly like that's so sexy and so liberating right and having the girl say this is how I like it you know this is like the part of the whatever clit this is how you rub it this is how you eat it which doesn't necessarily have to happen during the act you know, there's there's right. foreplay. Agreed. People people yeah. misunderstand foreplay. They think it's all about sticking fingers in orifices and <laughs> it could be conversation over lunch. It could mm-hmm. be stimulating each mm-hmm. other, talking about your wants and desires. It could mm-hmm. be you know, that you, you foreplay's all day. Mm-hmm. And we're all sapiosexual. You know, you, you meet these people who are like, I'm sapiosexual and it's like, No, we all are. Like we get turned on by talking and you know, slight mind fucking and, um, you know, the, the, the possibilities of things sometimes mm-hmm. are even more exciting than the things. So, yeah, negotiating in an erotic way. It's I great. mean, you can produce the life you want hmm. in and out of the bedroom, right? I don't know. I don't know about that. That's you. Okay. That's you, Fabi. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. I know, that we all, I know right? <laughs> 
show us the way. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know how to Gonna put Gonna need this. more cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because he's so good looking. He can well, produce I mean, I, the life he wants. Well, I'm really interested in this, what he said, that I don't know what other women are doing in bed, right? So this idea that women are not going after their orgasm is kind of shocking to me. I see women at the gym all day long, and I'm like, they They're bring that. They're going after everything else today except what really matters most. Incredible. Inner yeah. happiness. Right. Well, it's true, actually, that in the process of doing the podcast, if, you know, without even mentioning everyone else I know and my friends, I have noticed a noticeable increase of women who choose to be asexual for long periods of time, meaning a year, and they choose it. Um, and I'm not sure exactly, I can't say that I'm clear on all of the reasons why, but I definitely think that one reason is that with, you know, dating apps and kind of like the prevalence of, you know, being able to get it wherever, Tinder, mm -hmm, they feel unsafe uh, emotionally, not sexually, emotionally. And maybe their heart has been broken more than like previous generations because they meet more people and they get disappointed faster and they just kind of like stop and need a lot of time to heal and reset and figure yeah, That's figure sad. out there. Yeah. So what we call like sex positivity, you know, the new sex leap, et cetera, actually has kind of like shocked a lot of women because they don't know how to take charge of their sexual lives. Um, so they abandon and it. their emotional but lives. I think shut that it down. All of these very strong words are very counterproductive to women. Mm -hmm. You don't take charge. Mm hmm. You, that's not the way to look at it. You inspire. You seduce. Mm -hmm. These are all power words. Mm -hmm. These, are, these mm -hmm. are all even dominating words. But when you say, I'm going to take charge in the bedroom, it's boring. It's not sexy. Mm -hmm. no, I Women think, that take I didn't charge mean in the bedroom it, I didn't mean and actually have to say they do and yeah. make it a mm -hmm. point to always no, no, be, no. Yeah. I'm on top and I do this and I say when and I say, shut up, mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up having some kind of complication and then be asexual? Is that what they're becoming now? Mm -hmm. Which nobody actually mm -hmm. really ever wants to be asexual. And by the way, that makes it worse. It's not like losing that connection and that touch over time heals. It just makes you more isolated and alone and insecure and fearful mm -hmm. and judgmental of yourself. Mm -hmm. and well, weak. they masturbate a lot and they play with toys by themselves, but they just feel very vulnerable um, but and again, I think it's emotional vulnerability. So when I say take charge, I didn't mean like, you know, who's on top in bed, but emotionally take charge so they don't feel like they get hurt so easily because they get hurt by every these are ghosting or, or, you know, someone who like sleeps with them and doesn't answer the text, doesn't answer the phone well, the call. The solution then is to get women's mind out of this emotional space. Exactly. I heard your last podcast the one where the couple was advising and i heard a similar advice mm -hmm. from her which mm -hmm. like, you know it was almost going back to the rules if you remember the rules i remember she the was rules. really <laughs> she was advocating for women to hold back on sex lest they get hurt i mean that narrative needs to shift but well she was advocating a hundred percent you know go for committed relationships right. and unless and until the guy agrees to commitment um you don't have the sex and she well she's been married with an another uh sex and relationship counselor actually um 
for, I don't know, seven years maybe. Um, but that advice is kind of, is not what we need, right? It's stripping women of the ability to play because the, it's tying in commitment to sex in a way that's so 1950s. I don't see that that's the way forward. Mm. I mean, women shouldn't be afraid of the new landscape of Tinder. Mm -hmm. It's actually a place to loosen no. loosen mm -hmm. ourselves. Tinder? Tinder? Online apps? I know. Like meeting people online for yeah. sex and relationships? I don't know. Is that not no. good? I think people should stay off their phones entirely. Sure. I happen to agree. No, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not advocating Tinder, but yeah. the, way, the way that the new landscape is described as being treacherous because there's such a fast and easy consumption of sex, that, okay, so maybe, maybe she was but talking about the sex, the sex It's not, I mean, the, the people that I know that I, I, the, who have been talking to me about it, it's not so much the sex, it's the feeling. It's the feeling. Because right. women, women apparently connect. have like seven places in our brain where we have emotional responses and men have like two. So by default, the way the women are built, they feel more. So, you know, someone right. makes them come, they get Can intimate, and they feel well, we need like to there should be emotion. We exactly. need to make that orgasm love so yourself. we have to find the way. Not put it towards I don't the know person. how, but we, I feel like we have to find a way without copying men, you know, right. without being for men, Would you to separate sex from feeling. Do we consider ourselves feminists? I mean, it's That's such a, a loaded question, right? <laughs> I know. It's like, how do you even answer that? I mean, I think I that know, it's a gun in your mouth. <laughs> because I was just noticing there's a lot of the things that you're saying. You're like, well, women feel this and men feel this and women this and it's like, but on these emotional connection issues, I find, I find that it's not the case. I think men are way more sensitive. Huh. They see a greater emotional connection. Do you think no that way. after, after no sex, way, no men way, no have way. the same oxytocin release and men become connected No way, no way. Sex? That's what we're talking about. It's wait, the wait, wait. actual What about all those boys feelings? you dismiss? There is no emotional connection there when you say... Take your full Here's ass elsewhere to empty. Here's the difference. We <laughs> simplify things. Okay. We don't necessarily think that every single person you meet is the potential one and is going to fulfill every fantasy in the world. Right. We compartmentalize. compartmentalize. Right. You we compartmentalize. Manage the day. That's, that's yeah. good. But women that's an, we that's women can learn from that. We don't compartmentalize. Right. But we, I don't we know dive that we into should the fantasy. Them. It's not necessarily a defense mechanism. It's not necessarily... Or it's, no, it's how you build. It's... it's but it's just common sense. No, babe. It's, it's common, common sense for men. Sense. <laughs> so men have common more common sense. sense than women? It's common sense. Men can compartmentalize. Girls go on dates them. and no, they think that No, men don't have more common sense. It's just that when it's innate, it seems like common sense to right. you. But women need to be reprogrammed in order. Tell us, but tell I don't us think how we to should do it. Be men. I don't want to be a man. Well, no, 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 no. Because you know what we're going to do? We're going to fucking objectify ourselves right. and, you know, fuck ourselves no. mentally. The way, the way that I think we could learn from men is to not become so emotionally vulnerable. What these women are saying is that they need to become asexual in order to protect themselves. Correct. That's sad, right? So what's yeah. the solution? Not to compartmentalize. But you can also just enjoy the moment. You don't necessarily <laughs> yes. have to yes, give all yes. away all the time. Right. So how how can women... How stop being so needy and insecure? Well, that's those are words you're bringing to it, but I don't know it's that... It's just needy and insecure, though. Well, yeah. no, I don't think so. And if so. you ever hear any guys complain about women they just meet, it's, oh my God, they're so needy. You know? They're so insecure. Yeah, because so we're needy. different. Right. They're not. And unfortunately, I, a woman and, needs, and I, you would, know, I would say, think, unfortunately, there haven't been need... enough men in history that have given women 
the impression that they really are the ones that matter. Mm. I, for one, I don't know how I sound when I say some of the things I say, but I've been raised that women are more important than men. And to be held on a pedestal and to be protected and looked after and loved and catered to and worshipped. Well, worship and is an interesting word. This is what your other guest was saying too. And then that's a very traditional. Which I, I definitely objected to, but go ahead. Right. And talk. It's, so, <laughs> so because men are raised to worship women, women are raised to receive worship. So I think that when we receive sexual, um, energy and somebody pleases us, we are programmed to find that person as a savior because that's, that's the instead job. Instead of that making yourselves always worthy of that, instead of always just self-improving and being the best yourself you can be and knowing that you're enough and knowing that you're worthy and that the other person is lucky enough to be able to be in your life and please you. I think it's different. Instead we're talking of looking about, we're talking about actual in the bedroom, right? Like not what, what women do in their lives. But it translate in, it, their lives translate into how they perform in the bedroom. And it's all a state of mind. I mean, you go in there and you either respect yourself or you don't. You can be the biggest slut in the room and actually like yourself more than all the other people. What does that mean to be the biggest slut in the room? Well, well want to have bang. more sex. Yeah. <laughs> more sex than anyone else there. So, you know, if you're like a handful of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I could I mean, go in, I could go in any situation and deal with any number of things that I might consider a fantasy or fun or sport or romance and i would walk in and walk out with the same expectations which are minimal and i would give the moments the experience and the time to kind of like see how they impact me instead of going in there saying this is going to make me feel exactly this or i'm doing this because of this or you know i just people don't live in the moment they have far too many expectations they're let down a lot most people have daddy issues and they take all of that into the bedroom and they think everything's going to get fixed if they are in position number three versus number two, you know? So do you, when you go into a sexual experience, do you think of it almost like a, like a physical exercise? Do you try not to bring romance into the situation? No, I don't go into it premeditatedly at all. Things just happen. Mm -hmm. and, I, and there's a little bit of everything. There's a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of excitement. There's love and respect, if not for the other person, for myself. Mm -hmm. There's uh, adventure and sport. There's curiosity. Right. There's, there's all of it. Adventure and sport but are I really good words for... I'm, I'm going to say that it has... It, that women definitely agree, have to change and embrace their sexual nature without self-consciousness, but I don't think we should do it the way men do it, because we would be repressing ourselves. We would be changing ourselves basically anatomically. You know, we would have to change the way we're made. We, we are made to feel more. Uh, and I don't mean being sensitive. I agree. Men are super sensitive. You know, women like talk more, are able to verbalize much more easily. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not like who is more sensitive and whose feelings get hurt. And what no. is even but sensitivity? Just, you know? They react because, so much. Nowadays, yeah. women just, they're so reactionary. And instead of being proactive in bettering themselves and also growing their men into what they want. Yeah, I agree with that. That we definitely have to teach the men and grow the men in the same way that we get to say yes or no you know, consent, the same way we have to, like, 
teach them and grow them into the partner we would hope them to be and listen to them and kind of like intuit, since we're wise emotionally, who they would like us to be and adapt, you know, and adjust and be, you know, and be okay with that. Like not have that firm sense that this is who I am. Take me or leave me because none of us are. We all change and evolve and become you each other. You never stop growing. You right? grow together. You yeah. grow by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't think that, you know, Women, as much as I think there is a lot of fun in like numbers <laughs> and, um, you know, having sex out of sportsmanship. Um, and I think it behooves us all to go through a period like that because then you become a better lover mm-hmm. to actually like spend your life doing that without, you know, the closer emotional connections. I think it's like stultifying and it stunts your growth. Um, so I, I do think that there, you know, that's the difficulty to go in and out, you know, to not say, to not like separate yourself, your sense of self from your body and think of sex as just like sport, fun, and then it's over, you know, I go to sleep, done. Because that then kind of like atrophies an important aspect of womanhood, which is the loving that we give our partners and our babies. Mm-hmm. Um but also not go not not go all the way in the opposite direction where it's like you you know we have sex with someone and we fantasize and want to be with them forever we don't want to you know we don't want them to leave right. we don't want them to look at anybody else you know it's just right. like the possession creeps right. in right uh, the jealousy mm-hmm. the the obsessiveness you know mm-hmm. the stalking mm-hmm. the paranoia mm-hmm. um and then we get like lost in our head and try to constantly like guess what you know the lover is doing, feeling, thinking. And the truth is, like, you can never know what's in someone's mind or psyche. They barely know themselves, <laughs> right? You cannot control another human being. Like, this is not slavery. You can't. I mean, you can imagine that you do. You can be, uh, you know, delusional maybe. But ultimately, you cannot control them well, unless you're going to kill them. I don't know about that's You're going to kill their spirit. The shit out well, for me, sex has definitely <laughs> been an educational experience. <laughs> and it's also a shortcut, you know, like, y- y- like being intimate with a certain, um, social group or nationality or race or whatever, you learn a lot about them mm-hmm. quickly. Right, it's like eating the food of a place. Yeah, exactly. Right, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a it's an it's a way in. Yeah, it's a and way you're in saying without that, language. Right, and you're saying that we can never really know what's in somebody's psyche, but that's the we great can. thing about sex because you bring it, and mm-hmm. there's no there's no language. It's the truest sort of form. Well, how boring would it be if you knew everything on the opposite? You know, I know. It's yeah. nice to have that. Yeah, yeah. That unknown mm-hmm. and controlling someone. How boring if you succeed. Yeah. I mean, it's great for a weekend. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. More than a weekend, but like three years later, no. you still know everything. And People stop surprising me, they stop existing exactly, for me. Exactly. Mm. The surprise is the element that keeps it interesting. Is that what, is that what sexiness is? is and it can't be forced. I, think it, I mean, they could surprise you in the most, you know, mm-hmm. unsexual things. It could just be watching them self-improve after, you know, people tend to get very comfortable in life and mm. they and they they just exist mm. and then when you see someone you know picking up a new hobby or mm-hmm. i don't know working out again or learning something a new trade you know they become interesting mm-hmm. again because there's something more right. to offer something you haven't heard before right mm-hmm. the same conversations every day mm-hmm. you know oh yeah you might as well masturbate. Sure. yeah exactly agreed 
And I mean, for me, the people that I even, and you can't control who you fall, fall in love with or, or rise in love with, but definitely have to have that element of danger, which is unpredictable. It's not necessarily danger that they're a serial killer, mm-hmm. But it's that sense that they're capable of anything at any time, because mm-hmm. that keeps you interested, yeah. right? Is that where the sexual energy comes from? That, that it, the sort of instability, and not the un, the unknown. I think it should start with the physicality. Exactly. I think it starts with the physicality, a hundred percent. And that's I think just that a chemistry, that's chemistry wanna, thing. If you don't want to like eat. Up and down every part of the person in front of you. <laughs> if you just you. don't want to lick them yeah. head to toe, yeah. move on. Yeah. You know? It's physical for sure. And again, thank you for listening. Thank you for trusting me as your sex whisperer. Uh, stay in touch because this project is only now beginning. There is so much more to talk about on this platform. So many more truthful, radically honest personal narratives uh, that we want to archive and have as a reference point for our new norm, for our new wider cultural acceptance. And um, until we meet again, speak sex. Ciao. If I could make love incessantly, I would be gone.